everyone. Welcome to the Third Culture Kid Virtual Online Forum, where all conversation of TCK and faith comes together. This is a place for people to share their own stories and learn from others. It's a place people could safely explore the effects, benefits, and purpose with cross-cultural upbringings. We also want to challenge TCKs and CCKs in general to think deeper on how their cross-cultural component of their lives is tied to their faith. This podcast is brought to you by Crew, a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ. In the previous seasons, we have invited TCKs to come on and talk about transitions, and we had one on the effects on future families. But what about like having parents on the podcast for this special episode? Our guests are Jeff and Joanne, Jonathan's parents, and Jonathan. Would y'all like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Jeff, and my wife Joanne Waltower. We were staff with Crew Campus Crusade for Christ for about 21 years in Africa, and moved back to the U.S. maybe 15 years ago. Oh, that's been a while—15 years. How old, like, were your kids when you moved back? Our oldest daughter was twelve and almost twelve, and Jonathan was almost ten.、Mm-hmm. He was seven, so twelve, ten, and seven.、Mm-hmm. Well, different age groups. I'm Jonathan. A lot of you guys know me because I'm one of the co-hosts here as well. MK from Africa slash Nigeria. And the U.S. Yeah, I would say life stages specifically. Just having observed my siblings in various forms, having gone through TCK stuff. My sister is more of like a classic TCK. A lot of things about just like she represents a lot of like my friends who were middle school and older when they came back, and a lot of the general TCK stuff. I'm more like fifty-fifty split. Like I very much have a home at the same time. There's things, and then. My younger sister Katie, she only really remembers America and Mansfield, but she also has like feelings of longing and missing of Nigeria that she also can't quite place because a lot of her memories are kind of she's not sure if they're actual memories or if they're just stories people have told since the transition. What、yeah. do you mean by like classic TCK? I would just say like if there were to be like a Stereotypical, like these are the traits that like a TCK has, and the way that transition affects them, and things like that.、Mm-hmm. Just in general, Sarah would fit more into that box than necessarily I or Katie would. How is that different, though? I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Yeah, there are certain things that I relate to within TCK ness, like the wanting to move and things like that. But there are certain things that I don't necessarily relate to, such as. A lack of a home, or even like a complexity in asking the question, "Where are you from?" Because unless I want to be pretentious, I very much have just started saying like Ohio and Mansfield. I very much claim that as my place, as my home. I have a place where my parents have lived for fourteen years consistently,、mm-hmm. in the same house with the same neighbors in the same community. I have elements of those roots. That started forming when I was about because it's been about half my life, and at this point, I've spent more time in the U.S. in a single place than I have actually in Africa. That's interesting. So I do feel like there. I actually enjoy that stability aspect of things.、Mm-hmm. 
but then I think once I started moving again, like that、mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> sprang back to life again <laughs> and got a little out of control, but it's all good. So, for you as a family, how was your transition in your family life repatriating back in the states? Well, it was a major move for us. We had lived there for almost twenty years. We had lived there, so it was a big move for us as adults, parents. It was a big move for our kids. Yeah, we had planned for it, though. It wasn't a surprise, or wasn't. Something that was spraying onto us. We knew that we were planning to, to move, so we were able to do some things and plan some things out well. It was still a big, a big thing though for our family. I'm thinking too. I mean, it was big for us. I mean, we both left and went overseas fairly soon after college. So we met, started our family over there. So we really didn't live as adults. Or as a family in America prior to moving back, so there were a lot of adjustments. Just that had to do with daily life as an adult, <laughs> that you know we had to to go through much less. You know some of the family transitions, which made things a little more challenging, I guess. Yeah, this is my tenth year in the states, and I've lived my whole adult life since I was eighteen here, and so I sometimes wonder, like. You know what it would it be like? You know, if I like move again, I'm pretty sure like that it's gonna be a lot of transitions and change, and I will for sure have trouble adjusting to it. But I just don't know like exactly to what degree would that be. <laughs> but what about you, Jonathan? Comment on my dad. I never thought of it that way for you guys, but I guess that's right. I guess I just always assumed you guys. New adult things, and you knew American things, and it was just because you did it so well on furlough. I guess, but that was just temporary, and you never like lived here full. That's just a concept I never thought about. Like you guys were never adults to an extent as a family in the U.S. for longer than like three months at a time. It was interesting. First off, with this transition, both you guys, my parents, modeled how to say goodbye to a place well. If I think about that, like I think that's something you guys did very well. You definitely like said goodbye to friends. You had there was going away parties. There was time for you guys and for us to grieve. You gave us time with our friends and time with our classmates. Even when you pulled us out of school for midway through the semester, we still got to go visit, spend time, things like that. Which is, I believe, I remember very clearly the day that we moved. I'm starting to put that into doubt, but you guys prepared us well with the. Resources that you had available at the time, with it being the early 2000s and it being Africa, and I think Crew gave a lot of really good resources for that as well. We had VHS tapes that we watched that were like, "Here's how you repatriate to the U.S. and here's how you go through transition." And having gone through some of those things, as the terminology and the study and the understanding has evolved, like I see. Seeds of that in what some of my friends who are in TCK care are doing now, but those have been full grown. And then we watched those before we transitioned, which gave you guys the opportunity to then be like, "Remember, in the video, they said this would happen. They said this would be a thing." So when we had time to grieve, or or like when I remember coming home from a thing and mom was just sitting on the couch crying, 
And I was just like, mom, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I miss Nigeria. And I was like, I miss it too. Or maybe it was vice versa. Maybe you came home and I was crying. I don't remember. But one of us was crying and the other person started crying. But you guys gave us space for that. And you never let us feel like Africa was gone to some extent as well, which I thought was good, was the thing that you guys did, did well. I was also an overdramatic child, so I don't think I expressed that very well to you guys at the time. But overall, I think we had probably one of the more positive repatriation stories out of a lot of the people that I know. And I think that was because you guys were very forward thinking in that regard. <laughs> was that something on their mind when planning the transition? I think we did very much think about the kids as we were planning. We thought about the kids in the timing of our move. We realized that it would be the older the kids are, the harder it is, I think, to make a transition. That's when we decided either we're going to move back now or we're going to wait till they get through high school and move back. So we did consider that. Uh, we did try to ask people. We had other friends who had moved back. Tried to ask them what are some things that they did. What are some helpful things? I know that we just took Psalm 139 and studied that together as a family uh, where it says, I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So it's just the idea that the same God that's with us in Africa will be the same God that will be with us in America and that he loves us and we're very precious to him. So we try to have that whole idea going back with the kids. So we try to think about that. I think as John said, we did try to have good closure from our time there. We did have very good relationships. I think we had very good friends, adult friends, and the kids had good friends there. So we had good experiences in Nigeria. And so it was important to finish well there. And also we missed them when we came to the States, but that was a healthy kind of missing. We missed them because we had deep relationships with people. I mean, we did leave on good terms. I mean, it was, I know, you know, we have heard of a lot of times there's struggles, there's team dynamics that aren't working out and a lot of hard feelings when people leave the field. And, you know, I think that's unfortunate. I think that would make transition a lot harder just with all those emotions and perhaps unresolved issues and things. So. I was grateful ours didn't really have that, so. You know, like Winnie the Pooh actually said, how lucky am I to have something that makes goodbye so hard? <laughs> I shared it with a friend once and she was like, Winnie the Pooh said that? <laughs> <laughs> but so did the kids all react the same way of repatriating? Well, I think I remember Jonathan as we've said, he's more dramatic, but I think it was hardest for him to move. Sarah was okay with it, as far as I remember, but John, because we wanted to move in March and his birthday is in May. And he was like, but I want to spend my 10th birthday in the land of my birth, but it didn't really work because of support raising and where we had to be. But so he was probably the one that didn't want to move more. Katie was only seven, so she was, whatever you do, it's fine with me. Yeah, I guess that's also why I made being from Africa part of my personality for like most of my growing up. After going back and talking with both Sarah and Katie, I'm the one that does remember more about the transition, I think. I'm the one that would like on the 17th be like, oh, this is the day we moved. And Sarah was like, really? And I was like, yes. And now Sarah posts about it every day. But I'm like, I'm the one that remembered. I'm the one that keyed in on these events. 
I'm the one that kept coming back to it. Sarah, just also because of I'm just more vocal in my personality. I think Sarah and I maybe handled it about similarly, but Sarah, I think they kept a lot of stuff internally, just because also like you get into sibling birth order dynamics a little bit, but Sarah is also like the older one and she's more like quote unquote wants to impress you guys or cares more about what you think. I care about what you guys think too. But I'm the more vocal being like, this is a terrible thing. And Sarah's like, maybe it's a terrible thing, but like, I don't want my dad to like be disappointed in me. So maybe I won't say it's a terrible thing kind of deal. But I definitely think I probably it took it harder. And then, yeah, Katie talks about it. she was just excited for ice cream and toys and grandma and grandpa. So she really <laughs> factor in a lot of <laughs> the other things. But I think like what's unique about your family is that you then went through another transition of adoption and then it is adopting from a different country that where you were from, you know, where you like were living in Africa for 20 and 10 years. So like what like lessons did you learn through the process that you brought into the adoption process? Well, I think that we... When we decided to move back to the U.S., the kids were younger, so we, of course, talked to them, tried to get them on board with it, but it was a decision that, you know, we had to make. When we decided to adopt, we included them more. We set them down. and If they would not have been for it, we probably would have waited or not moved forward. But when we did present the idea to them, I think everybody was very excited and enthusiastic about it. That was what four or five years later. So they were older and I guess they had more voice in the decision at that time. Maybe we learned that through the first one. And two, as the whole process was an adjustment for all of us, but it was also an adjustment for our adopted children, obviously. So I think some of the things that we talked about, just like John said, keeping Africa alive in the house and things like that. I think those are things we try to do to recognize and give value to the culture of Ethiopia, where they were from, and recognize mm-hmm. those things. Food, tried to order Ethiopian food when we would come through Columbus on the way back from somewhere and, and different things to try and value that and keep that up. I hope that was a positive. <laughs> I think it was as best we could. This is just me speculating, but I also, if I remember correctly, from when you guys sat us down and had that conversation, I think part of the reason why you chose Ethiopia and why you chose Africa was because you thought maybe the transition would be a little bit easier because there would be a potential connection in culture. And it's funny that you mentioned that it's not from Nigeria because every like with all of the African influences that have turned on in my life, people, no one ever ends up settling on me being from Nigeria. They always either guess Kenya because that's where my wife is from or Ethiopia, because that's where my siblings are from. And I'm like, oh, no, no, those are two completely unrelated to the rest of my life, which is like Nigeria. Everyone just always assumes that because our siblings are from Ethiopia, we were also there. But I think that was a part of it. And you guys did that well after having talked with a lot of adoptive, you know, we had the adoptive panel after having a talk with a lot of them. I think that's something that I almost pride myself on, having parents who were that conscious about their children's home culture 
to try and incorporate it. And I think that also comes from being in the mission field and where you come from, as opposed to a lot of my other adoptive friends who their parents just didn't really care or they didn't have the resources or they didn't even know to look for those resources. And which could have made things a lot worse, I guess, in the future had you guys not done that based off of stories that I've seen. I think initially we were all super excited. Yeah, we were just all super excited, super gung-ho. I don't remember. I remember feeling more negative about the move from Nigeria than the adoption. I think the way you guys explained it and I had always wanted at least a brother. So I was just super excited and super gung-ho and you guys incorporate us in all of the process, including like, there's no real good way like choosing the kids there's no real like not like i don't know it sounds weird to say it even during the hard parts of them coming in post-transition you guys as best as you could still tried to include us in the conversation or in how things were going and you still tried to check in on us which i think was good it was similar but different from the move from nigeria in that we weren't the only people you guys were considering. We weren't your main focus. Your main focus was BJ and Yerus and getting them adjusted to the family, but as much as you guys could. I think I remember um, when it was time for them to come and they got their passports or all everything that needed to go. Or when we were thinking about that, I think maybe initially we thought we would just go and get them, but the kids were just like, heartbroken that they wouldn't be able to go back to Africa. So we ended up going as a family to pick them up, which I think was good. Um, we all got to see the orphanage that they came from, meet their, some of their family that came to say goodbye. And I think that was a, a good experience. It's another story, but we had quite the adventure coming back. I think that was a good choice that we made at that point. I think initially we hadn't really thought that we would go as a family, but then the kids just were. So we were able to include them. And I think, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I didn't realize that was even a, us not going was even a consideration. I just figured you would assume that we would want to go. In fact, when you went back later, I'm still a little mad that I wasn't able to go back to Africa with you guys later. I realized that trip wasn't for me, but still. Uh. Yeah, we were able to go back about maybe three or four years after we adopted them. We took them back to visit Ethiopia. And I think that was one of the best things we've ever done, too, just for them to reconnect with their Extended family. Extended family back there and their culture, and it was a very positive thing. How do you think God was present with your family when we were going through all of these transitions? It sounded like there was quite a few because, you know, you met on the field, went from being single to being a young couple to starting a family and then moving back to the states and when you haven't really lived in the states as adults and then like going through adoption and now your kids are grown up because <laughs> i think about that i think for me it's just you know knowing you know being confident that this is where God is leading, whether it's to go to Africa in the first place or to move back from Africa, the decision to adopt, just being confident in knowing God is leading, knowing that he is sovereign and that he is good. One of the meaningful verse for our family has always been Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. 
it's just confident that, you know, this is what God wants us to do. And I mean, we do our best to prepare and everything, but just kind of trusting he's going to kind of lead us through because that's his will for us. We've you know, seen that and felt that even when it's difficult at times, we just know that he's there and he's in it and, you know, working even in the, the hard times. Yeah, one thing that we learned when we were in pre-training before we went to Africa, I remember very clearly one of the lessons was as now, so then. And it was just the idea that your location doesn't change you. Um, you don't suddenly go to the mission field and become spiritual if you haven't been building a relationship with God before you went there. And that helped me a lot in the transition to Nigeria. But it also helped me in the transition through the other transitions, getting married, having kids, and moving back. Because as then, so now. So we experienced a good time in Nigeria. We experienced fruitful ministry. I had good relationships. And then I wondered, what's going to happen when I move back to America? I've never really lived there. I've never had ministry in that culture. But I found the same thing be true as then, so now. So just as I was able to connect with people and have ministry there, I was able to connect to people and have here. So that, that kind of helped me both ways. One, you can't instantly come mature. You have to be always working on your relationship with God. But as you are, that carries over your relationship with God, your ministry experience carries over from one culture to another culture. So I think that was one thing that was very helpful for me. That phrase also is something that you, through reciting it for yourself and for us through the transition, is something you very much ingrained in at least me, specifically that concept of as now, so then, like as I'm now moving into another transition of going into grad school and moving to a new city and things like that, like that was something I was very conscious of knowing I was going into the transition was like, what do I want to be then? Therefore, I need to start doing it now because when I move, it's not magically going to get better. Or when this transition happens, I'm not magically going to get better. Same with going into marriage and going into college and these other major transition points as well. I think you guys did a really good job of keeping God central in everything that you did and modeling that for us to the point where after we moved back, I didn't know there was a way to live overseas without being a missionary. I thought that was the only way that you live overseas. Therefore, moving back, like we've already established, I was the most dramatic and I was the most affected by being ripped away from the land of my birth or whatever it is <laughs> I said at 10 years old. My entire life goal became to go back. And the only way I knew how to do that because of being modeled by my parents was I needed to love Jesus and I needed to be serving God because as a missionary was the only way I could do that. At the same time, you guys did such a good job of keeping God central as to why we were doing everything we were doing. When I was also processing everything and dealing with my faith and my emotions and trying to make things my own, it also very much became God is the reason why all these bad things happened to me. I internalized that as a message as well. Not by anything necessarily that you guys did, but just because you guys did such a good job of making sure that like, we knew it was through God's leading that you came to Africa and it was through God's leading that you were leaving. I took that as it's God's fault that we left <laughs> <laughs> and it's God's fault that we did this. And if God hadn't had done that, my life would be better. Kind of the opposite of the as now, so then mantra, which is another thing like in those times I kept thinking like, 
No, actually, probably my life would be pretty much the same. I'd just be back there and maybe be a little happier. So I think both things were true, and both things were things that I've had to work through in figuring out, in trying to follow God's plan and God's purpose for my life as well. I don't think I realized very much about where God was during the transition, just because he was everywhere. And so I can't pinpoint like how we kept God central, just because it was just assumed. Because of you guys having hearing your responses, very intentional planning of doing that for yourselves and for us. Yeah, and I kind of think too, maybe the word is contentment and just the importance of being content, you know, where you are. I think I remember having some discussions with John. It's easy moving back and to focus on all the negatives of being back. And I remember John, it was kind of like he had friends that were still there in Nigeria and going to high school and beyond and staying there. And it was like, oh, my life would be so much better if I could only do that, if we hadn't moved back and I was still there. And, but we talked and, you know, there's, yeah, I mean, life would have been different, but he missed out on some things by moving back, but they're missing out on some things by staying there that he's got to experience now moving back. And so to be careful of comparison and just kind of contentment where you are. And again, knowing that God is there and he's in it. And as we seek to follow him, where he's leading us to work things out, which he did in John's life, I believe, even though yeah. you're blaming God for everything. But. I went through something similar when I was in college. My discipler told me that everything is between you and God. Anna, don't think about like your circumstances, what's happening, you know, the people, everything was about you and God, just you and God. And so I went through a time period where it was just very hard and I just felt like everything was crashing down. If it was just me and God, like everything is God's fault that <laughs> this is happening and why my life wasn't quite working out the way that I wanted to. But I think like it also built up my faith because I went through a time of just feeling like I have nothing except God, that kind of feeling. And having that cornerstone, like, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you realize Jesus is the rock at the bottom. <laughs> As life got better and piling things up again, I think that kind of helped. So thank you for joining us today. TCK VOF is now on 10 podcast platforms and we have a blog and Instagram page. And so like us if you have not done that yet. If you want to stay connected to us and ask a question or have a topic idea you would like us to discuss in the future, you can click on the message button on Anchor to leave us a voice message. Thank you again for listening to the TCK VOF, where our conversation of TCK and faith comes together. Hope you have a good rest of your week.